please turn in your New Testaments to John chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. John 15, 12 through 14. As you're turning there, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Spirit of God, would you do what you like to do best? Would you lift up Jesus Christ in our midst and in our minds and our hearts that we might understand what friendship with you really is, that you might teach us to be friends. In Jesus' name, amen. John 15, 12 through 14, and this is the inerrant and inspired word of God. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Loving the other is the series as we look at what it means to love God and to love other people, how the great commandment plays out to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor, how it plays out. Um, What does it look like to love the loyal other or to love our friends? Now, I will not spend too much time this morning on the social trend that we see in the United States at this time toward what you might call friendlessness. But that is definitely a trend that is happening. Uh, a lot of people are kind of reporting this. I will not talk too much about the, the allocation of time away from placing focus and time on people we know and on our friends and putting that time and allocating it on hundreds of different things in the interest of living a more full life and just diffusing that time away from friendship. Uh, I will not go into great detail about the substitution of virtual friendships, that is, online friendships, for real ones. Uh, the, The idea is that Uh, virtual friendships are great, but they are best seen as augmenting actual friendships, not replacing them. I read an article this week about a lady who said she had no friends, except for she had 626 Facebook friends. And and I report this, and she has a TED talk as well that's really kind of neat, too. But... um, she, she asked this question. She said, what's wrong with this picture? And here's the picture. I was home alone on New Year's Eve on Facebook. Okay, you kind of get that? I didn't have anybody in real life to spend time with. I was home alone on Facebook. What's wrong with this picture? Her name is Tanya Hollander, and she decided after this experience on New Year's Eve, and it kind of, kind of crushed her, She decided that she would visit, sit down with, have a cup of coffee with, whatever she could do, 
and have her picture taken with every single one of her 626 Facebook friends. And they lived all over the country and they lived all over the world. Now, Tanya Hollander uh, did not have the money to do this. And so she wrote up a grant to a foundation and was given the money to fully fund her adventure because... We assume that there's no need to define what friendship is. That's like self-evident. It's not anymore. And this foundation was very interested in one woman's journey to see the difference between virtual relationships and real relationships and how, what would happen if these people came off the screen into her real life. Very interesting. Quote, from the article. Since then, Hollander has been traveling across the country and internationally, setting up in-person meetings in her friends' homes to discover the ways in which friendship is currently defined. And she has spoken out about the difference it made for these people to come off of the internet and into her presence. So, let's do our own investigation this morning into this subject, loving the loyal other or friends. I just want to look at two things this morning. I want to ask the question, what is a friend? I'm going to start with like, kind of like, you know, this is a football, you know, what is a friend? Secondly, what does Jesus in this passage teach us about friendship? So let's begin with a question you never thought we would have to ask, but we need to. What is a friend? And I'm going to give you a definition that I crafted that comes out of the meaning of this passage, okay? A friend is a person that you have an affectionate relationship with that is characterized by accepting loyal Love. Let me say that again. A friend is a person you have an, an affectionate, a caring, a loving relationship, an affectionate relationship with that is characterized by accepting, gracious, accepting, loyal love. Now, I discovered something that I never knew existed this week. I, I put definition of friend in the search bar. I just want to kind of see what people were defining friendship as uh, in 2015. And I never knew there was a dictionary. All the dictionaries come up. There's a dictionary called the Urban Dictionary. Now, I'm probably the last person on earth to know this exists. But this is pretty cool. The Urban Dictionary is a dictionary that allows anybody and everybody to bring their own definition to a word. So this is not an objective English language definition. And I'd like to read to you a, a really interesting definition by a teenage girl that I think is actually very insightful. A lot of them were not. And this is from the Urban Dictionary, and her, like, her screen name was like Tangles 10 or something like that. Quote, she says, A friend is someone that you love and who loves you. Someone that you trust and who trusts you. A friend is honest and makes you want to be honest too. A friend is loyal. This is a very good definition of a friendship. She goes on, a friend is someone you look forward to seeing and who looks forward to seeing you. A friend is someone that is happy to spend time with you and do absolutely nothing. Or someone who doesn't mind driving you on stupid errands or to go to boring recitals with you. And so now we can see the teenage girl coming out who has siblings, obviously. 
And she, she continues, a friend is someone that not only doesn't care if you're ugly or boring, but doesn't even think about it. A friend is someone who forgives you no matter what you do, and someone who tries to help you even if they don't know how. That is an outstanding definition, kind of out of real life, of friendship. So, a friend, let me go back to my one-sentence definition. A friend is a person that you have an affectionate relationship with, characterized by accepting and loyal love. Someone has said, and rightly so, I think, that if you can count on the fingers of one hand in your whole life, true friends, then you are a rich person indeed. I don't mean Facebook friends. I'm not against those. I don't mean acquaintances, but I'm talking about true friends. And I think that statement is right. I'd like to use the Old Testament just as we're looking at what friendship is. And then in the second part, I would like to talk about what Jesus says in this passage about it. But there's a lot of verses about friendship. In fact, Proverbs 27 is one chapter. If you want to write that down and kind of do a little study beyond this time of instruction, Proverbs 27 has a lot of those verses about friendship. But they're all over the Bible. But I'd like to just give this one short verse. And it's Proverbs 17, 7. A friend loves at all times. I think that just sums it up. A friend is someone who loves at all times. An affectionate relationship marked by acceptance and loyal love. A friend loves at all times. T. Austin Sparks was a British evangelist in the mid-1900s. And he said this of friendship, and I, I appreciate it greatly. He said, the greatest characteristic of friendship is loyalty. I do not think there is a greater or grander virtue than loyalty. You may not always understand your best friend. He or she may sometimes do things that you cannot understand, things about which you do not feel very happy at the moment. But if it is a friendship, you are loyal to your friend, whether you understand him or not. You will not betray your friend or talk about him to his detriment, nor do anything that would injure your friend. You will always be loyal, and I love this sentence, faithfulness is the heart of friendship, and that is the attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is exactly right, and we'll get there. A friend loves at all times. Now, when you think of friendships in the Old Testament... There are a couple of people that probably just rise to the surface. One might be Abraham, who was called the friend of God. And there's a lot we could say about Abraham, the friend of God. But, you know, the kind of the, the big one that really jumps out is the relationship, this friendship between Jonathan, the son of King Saul, and David, who would be the next king of Israel. And uh, in 1 Samuel 18.1, we read these words about this friendship. This is beautiful. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as he loved his own soul. Isn't that beautiful? There's a, this is a relationship of affection and closeness. The soul is knit together, and, and there's a great love. And we see this. Uh, Jonathan, you may remember, at a very key moment in David's life where David 
could have been, probably would have been killed by his father. Jonathan risked his own life to protect David and to speak up for David with his dad. In other words, Jonathan's love for David caused Jonathan to risk his own life. And then we see this with David as well because Jonathan, I don't want to tell the whole story, but he's killed in battle. And David was just destroyed by Jonathan's death. And we read that, he, that he, he mourned Jonathan like he had lost his own brother. And even more so because David loved Jonathan, at least it seems in the text, more dearly in a sense than his own brothers. And we meet his own, all of his brothers by name in the text as well. And after Jonathan's death, David went out into the kingdom and he asked this question because people were being killed and all of this, that is there anybody left in Jonathan's family that I might do honor to Jonathan? And, and sure enough, Jonathan had a son. His name was Mephibosheth. Uh, there's a whole story there. And because of David's loyal love for Jonathan. Even after his death, he invited Mephibosheth to come live in the palace with him to sit at the king's table for the rest of his life. This is a beautiful friendship. You know, we we talked in this Loving the Other series. We started with loving God. Then Then we went to loving what we called the intimate other or our spouse. And then we, we went to loving the familial other, and that would be our children and, and our family. But I will tell you something. It is very sweet when our spouse is also our friend. Because this thing of friendship can attach to relationships and it brings a a kind of nobility. It brings a kind of loftiness and something very solid that you can always count on. It's very dear. And I'm reminded of a book. We have books in our closet and I I just kind of see the spines of books. And Gina's got a lot of books about child rearing and and marriage and that type of thing. And uh, I'll I'll always remember the title of this book. It's called, it's by Susan Yates. It's called A House Full of Friends. It's a great book, by the way. She says, here's the way we see our family. They're not just our family. They're a house full of friends. Isn't it great to be able to say to someone, I want you to meet my daughter or I want you to meet my son. This is my daughter who is also my friend. This is my son who is also my friend. It's beautiful. But you don't have to be related to somebody, right, to be their friends. In fact, one of the the, uh, passages is there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, right? And so so friendship kind of is something that that attaches to relationships that is so important. I, I actually believe that friends, true friends, are sovereignly given by sovereign God as one of the greatest gifts we will ever receive. So, a friend loves at all time. What is a friend? That's the first thing, remember? It is a relationship of affection, of love, uh, characterized by accepting and loyal love. So, secondly, and most importantly, what did the Son of God teach us in this passage about friendship? He's teaching us two things, basically. He's teaching us that friendship means trust 
And friendship means a cost. Friendship means trust, and, to, to, and friendship costs us something. The first is the idea that, that friends trust. Um, a friend is someone that you can entrust yourself to. You can open your heart to a friend. You can open your mind and, and tell a friend what you're thinking. You can t- reveal to a friend things that are in the interior of your life that would not be readily seen by others. And you can reveal things to a friend. And, and you know, one of the things about a true friend is you don't have to hold anything back. That's, is that a beautiful thing? And this is exactly why one of the most utterly painful experiences in all of human life is the betrayal by a friend, right? We get that now because this is so beautiful, this is so wonderful, and it, and it just hits us right where we need relationship and you can count on it. It's, it's loyal and it hurts really bad, badly when, when there's betrayal. A friend is someone you entrust yourself to. I I want you to see Jesus' words that that help us understand this. Jesus here is with his disciples. Uh, This is coming in the context of, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's all about intimacy with Jesus. It's all about his provision. It's all about his love and the fruitfulness that comes out of that relationship. John 15, 15. Please look at the text with me. No longer do I call you servants. Why? Because for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. A servant is not entrusted with one's heart. A servant's not entrusted with knowledge that the master has. He's a servant. Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants. Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I have entrusted to you. Do you see that? Friendship trusts, it opens, it shares. Jesus is saying, You are not just my servant. Now, we are servants, he is the master, right? And Jesus could have left it with, I'm the master, you're the servant, obey me. But Jesus is saying, he is the master, and we're the servants. But he's saying, but finally at the end of the day, I'm not calling you servant. I'm calling you friend. We're not just servants. We're not just tools, instruments in the the master's hand. God doesn't just want to use us for his glory. He wants to use us. He wants us to be servants. But more importantly, he wants to partner with us. He wants us to know him. He wants this love relationship. He wants friendship with us. It's amazing. You are my friends. A servant doesn't know his master's business. Jesus is saying, in a way, but I want to be close. I want you to know my business. I don't want to hold back anything from you that the Father 
has made known to me, I will entrust you not only with the command, but with my friendship. You see, Jesus in verse 12 and 13 put it this way, I am your master and I have commanded and one of the ways you can show that you're my friend is to obey my commands. And so it's not an either or, a servant or a friend. We are servants. He is the master. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. But he's saying, I want you to know me. And I want to tell you everything. Hey, one of the reasons you can be real with Jesus in a relationship is because he's real with you. This is a real relationship. We're going to get back to that. So first is, is friendship in trusts, right? Not a servant, because servant doesn't know any of this. I've called you friends because I've shared everything with you. Secondly, friendships cost. Jesus shows us that a friend sacrifices. It's the essence of friendship. This is John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this. What? That he lay down his life for his friends. It is important for us to understand what a friend is. It is important for you to have a friend. But Jesus is seeking for you to be one. Not just to have one. Not just to wait until you can have one given to you. Because friendship is about out of me toward you, right? Friendship isn't waiting on you to come to me. Friendship is giving. Friendship is sacrifice. It's being a friend. Friendship is an offering. We offer friendship, don't we? Kind of, kind of like an offering, like a sacrifice, like a gift. We offer friendship to people. What does it look like? Greater love hath no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Well, I'll tell you what it looks like in real life. It looks like sacrificing my interest for the interest of my friend. That's what it means. It is putting your friend first in a me-first world. Everything in our culture is screaming, me first. Everything we're posting is not about you. It's about impressing you with me. It's me first. It's the opposite of friendship, real friendship, the way Jesus is defining friendship as gift, as sacrifice. It's remaining loyal, period. Friendship costs. But isn't that what makes it true friendship? I mean, isn't that it? Isn't friendship really, isn't it a relationship of, of affection and love that really is characterized by a gracious accepting and a willingness to forgive and be with and a loyal love you can count on? That's what it is. There are very few things in life 
more wonderful than a mutually accepting, mutually revealing, mutually sacrificial friendship. Jesus teaches us here that we must trust to have a friend and we must sacrifice to have a friend. And I want to say, each of us really needs to think about this. We need to think very hard about this and consider whether we are offering real friendship to people. We want a friend. Remember the old saying, you want a friend? Be a friend. It's true. Finally, I'd like for us to look at what Jesus says and what that shows us about his friendship with us to be friends with God and friendship with him we learn so much about it like trust and sacrifice but there's unique things about the friendship that Jesus has offered us and we'll go to the table by talking about this relationship and then we'll celebrate that around the bread and the wine but I mean think about it God as your friend I mean, it's just fantastical God, the Creator, as your personal friend? Yes. If you know Christ through what He has done on the cross and taking our penalty before a holy God, receiving our repentance and giving us relationship in its place, then you are His friend. You're a friend of the second person of God. And, and what's so interesting is, is that, you know, we kind of live in a time where people are thinking all these things about God and everybody that has an opinion about God or no God or anything in between is weighing in about God. And how can you even know if there's a God and all this stuff about God? Well, I'm going to tell you something. A friendship with God is not friendship with an alien. Like it's so weird, like a friendship with God. No, I'm gonna t I want you to know God has a face. God has a human face that you would recognize. God has eyes that would look at you and you would weep with gratitude and love. God became one of us because He wanted a real relationship with us. He wanted to become our friends. But you know, unlike our friendships, there is no like-mindedness or common interests that bound us together with God. There, there, was, there, was, there was not like, you know, I like to knit, God likes to knit, or I like to play golf, God likes... There was just none of that that, that drew us to God, the God to us. In fact, the simple truth of the matter of God's friendship with us is that it should not be. It should not be, ever. Because we were the unlovely... We're, in fact, personal enemies of God in rebellion against God. We're playing God. We're resisting God every day of our life. And in spite of us, and because of His love, God became a man, and He took our sins upon Him, and He died in our place to make us his friends. This is the meaning of 1 John 3.16. By this we know love. 
How do we know that he laid down his life for us and so we ought also to lay down our lives for our brothers? You see, that's how we know. This is how we know God laid down his life for us and we can lay our lives down for others. And I'll tell you something else about friendship with God is that Jesus is our high priest because people are like, friendship with God, I just don't, I can't get into it. I can't do it. It's so far away. No, it's not. No, you don't have a friendship like this. You do not have a friend who gets you like Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unsympathetic with us. For we have a high priest, God the Son, who was incarnate for us, who was tempted in every way, just like me and you, yet without sin. We have a high priest who hurt and had pain in most every way. And when we come to this Savior who has a face, who has a heart of love for us, and we bring our pain, and we bring our technicolor descriptions of our struggles and the long-term things and the things that spike and the things that go bump in the night, He gets it. The person you have coffee with may not get it. He gets it. You can talk to God. You can pour your heart out to God. And Christ is saying to us, you know what? One of the reasons you know I'm your friend is because I have not held anything back from you. I've given you everything. And you know, not only in the Gospels, that's what this is. It is everything about who God is. It is everything about what God is like. It is everything about God's ways and His love for His people. And it's amazing. God understands God our friend, not just because he's omniscient, because he's also experienced as us in our struggles. He loves you. Remember, this is in the context of I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me and I in you, and you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. There is closeness. There is care here. He is there, as they say, and He cares. In fact, He's there forever. Now, I I did pick up another term from my daughters. One's a senior in college. The other's a sophomore in college. And the term is BFF. I didn't know what a BFF was until about two years ago. You know what a BFF... Somebody tell the congregation what a BFF is. Got it. Best friends forever. I'm going to tell you something about BFF. Jesus is the literal and glorious definition of BFF. (laughs) He is our best friend forever. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am here. I love you. Talk to me. Walk with me. Hear from me. Pour yourself out to me. This is what it means to be friends with God. There's a female blogger that I want to read a quote before we head to communion from. And and I'll tell you why. Because I think females get this more than males. Sorry, guys. Guys. Females just tend to, like, draw a straighter line to real friendship than guys. So when a female Christian blogger is talking about friendship, I'm tuned in. This lady's name is Tiffany Wisner. And she says this. 
the greatest example of friendship is the action that God takes in our lives. And I love this. She says, I will be honest. I've been angry with God about a few things lately. That sounds like like talking to your friend, doesn't it? She says, I've been angry with God about a few things lately. Frustration makes me lash out at him and question him. I'm just being honest. But listen to this. I recognize, however, God's friendship is also the willingness to put up with me in my frustration in order to do what is best for me. See, she at once feels free to express and entrust Jesus with who she really is while knowing that he is the master, sovereign, and the lover of her souls. And she ends with this, I am humbled by his willingness to wound himself and his son, his only son, for me. Look to him. Look to him. A suffering Savior is proof of friendship. This isn't somebody trying to get something from you. You had nothing to offer. A suffering Savior is proof of friendship. He is suffering for us. And we can trust a suffering Savior. You can entrust yourself to Him. And He will be loyal to you without ever one fear of betrayal ever needing to enter into your mind. And you can sacrifice yourself for his sake. And as Jesus says, your joy will become more complete. This is the table of divine friendship. And in the gospel, Christ always accepts me. Didn't say everything I do or say. In the gospel, because of his blood... He always accepts me. In the gospel, he loves me because of what he's done. This is the definition of friendship. Let's pray as we move toward time with him. Lord, thank you that you not only offered, you gave friendship forged by your own sacrifice and your own blood so dear Lord, the evil one would want us to think that we cannot have intimacy with you. Would you, in the midst of this covenant meal, show him wrong? And help us to not only remember you, Jesus, but to commune with you, to lean into your grace, to look to you. And would you minister to your needy people? And Lord, finally, help us to see that our sin is not just our selfishness, but it's also betrayal of our friend. And help us to repent, even as you show yet again in a fresh way that you've given your friendship forever for us. In Jesus' name, amen.